Nyata. Hello, it's Alison here from Sanctuary. We're on Peak Warren Country in southwest Victoria. What can money buy? There are the obvious things, of course the big house, the nice car, the Rolex, the overseas holiday. But what money really buys these days is distance from other people, large swathes of uninterrupted life large house blocks where you cannot hear or see the neighbours, private cars for quiet, independent transport, restaurants with plenty of space between the tables, gated apartment buildings, entry by swipe key only, noise cancelling headphones for when you can't avoid a waiting room, and a device per person so every member of a household can stare into their own screen alone. This distance from other people extends into our financial lives. The more we earn, the less we talk about it. Households, even individuals in a household, have private bank accounts. And everything around us tells us that investing well, pouring money into super and paying up on our insurance will ensure a secure future, free from poverty and debt an entanglement with anyone else. I was thinking about this the other night as I re-watched In the Heights. This movie offers a glimpse of a different way as characters across the generations do life together. They work together at the bodega or hair salon. They hang out together at the pool. They let themselves into each other's apartments. They provide security for one friend's rental application and money for another's immigration appeal. They cook with their neighbours in tiny galley kitchens. They eat together in small crowded dining rooms. They mourn together when sadness strikes. And they study in order to raise up the whole community. Watching these intertwined lives reminded me of the dynamics I see in emergency relief and the informal economy among many residents of our local campgrounds. A kilo of rice is split up and passed around, an extra bar of soap is given away, and everyone seems to know everybody else's business. And I was thinking about our largely middle-class congregation, living on quarter-acre or even three-acre blocks, as we do with our houses discreetly tucked away from neighbours whose predicaments we hear about on Facebook, if at all. In tonight's story, a story I suggest directed precisely to people like us. We meet two rich men. The first comes to Jesus and asks him to tell his brother to divide the family inheritance with him. And the second is in the story Jesus offers in response. To the brother whose family is wealthy enough to provide an inheritance, Jesus gives short shrift. He says, Be on your guard against all kinds of grief, for life isn't about how much you own. And then he tells a story of land which produces abundantly, and a rich man who wonders what to do with the bumper crop. This rich landowner, doesn't talk with the workers who presumably planted and harvested the grain. He doesn't talk with his brother or his wife or his sons, but you can bet there's a brother and a wife and sons. 
He doesn't speak with the poor man lying at the gate, and there's always a poor man lying at the gate. He doesn't even consult the judges or the town elders, who make decisions about family disputes, inheritances and harvest for the benefit of the community. Instead, the rich man talks only to himself, and in his self-made wisdom, he decides to tear down his already overflowing barns and to build bigger ones to store the harvest and his many goods. And then he says to himself, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. Well, two things about this strike me. First of all, how lonely he is. For the rich man plans to use his wealth to secure his own future. But it has left him all alone. He's portrayed as a self-made man, oblivious to the land which has produced this abundance, unwilling to share the harvest with the poor, silent as to workers or family or friendship, and ignorant of the power of human connection to transform even ordinary meals into a feast. And so I doubt that he really can eat, drink, be merry, Rather, I suspect something more along the lines of desperate, solitary binging, as he tries to fill the emptiness inside him and drive away the gnawing question of what the hell life's all about. A few years ago, Rebecca Solnit wrote a profile of Donald Trump and described him as the loneliest man in America. And that about sums it up. The second thing that strikes me is that if the rich man had listened to anyone else, they might have critiqued his biblical interpretation. For he quotes Isaiah, but like so many rich men, he quotes partially and out of context. When God calls for weeping and mourning, Isaiah tells us, the people feast. And while chapter 22 verse 13 indeed says, let us eat and drink, it finishes with the stark words, for tomorrow we die. And then, of course, we'll be back to sons, arguing over an inheritance. Or, as the God of Jesus' story says to the rich man, you nincompoop, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and these things you've prepared, whose will they be? And as anyone who has even half a brain might answer, the lawyers. My friends, most of us have houses and sheds and superannuation and immensely private lives. We know the distance created by middle-class wealth. So where does this story leave us? Well, I don't think it's saying that we should get rid of all our houses and possessions, although there may be an invitation for some of us. But in Acts, Luke describes faithful households who live in their own homes, and they're not being criticised. Indeed, most of the early churches met in private homes, just as we here at Sanctuary meet in a private home. Homes can be an important resource in incarnating God's culture. But I do think the story is an invitation to be alert to the ways greed can hollow us out. 
It's a cautionary tale, describing how wealth can separate us from siblings, from neighbours and from each other. And it's a spur to take corrective action, whatever that needs to be. And it's an encouragement to notice the drive just to earn that little bit more, to own just that one more thing, to shore up just that one extra security, and to seek instead only the security of God's kingdom culture. Because Jesus says life isn't about how much you own. Instead, it's about being rich towards God. But what then does this consist of? And how does our wealth get in the way? I'll leave you to ponder that. But there's always more to read on our website, which is sanctuarybaptist.org. Sanctuary is funded entirely by members and supporters. If you'd like to support the work of this little church, you can make a donation via PayPal. And you can find the details for this on the website. This recording was made on the lands of the Pequarung people of the Eastern Ma Nation. A land taken by force and never ceded. A land threaded by rivers and bounded by the sea. This week, early wattles are exploding in gold, and birds are busy building their nests. I pay my respects to elders past and present. The peace of the land be with us all. Amen.